Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast with host Elizabeth Myers, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Facebook. Tune in weekly to learn how to have a winning life by building a strong spirit, soul, and body. Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast, where we talk about how to win at life by building a stronger spirit, soul, and body. I am your host, Elizabeth Myers, and I am so glad that you have decided to join us today. I'm very excited about our guest today, Susan Jagannath. She is an author and a hiker and adventurer, and she has some really amazing stories to share with us and some things that will help you in this challenging time, this crazy year that we are all having together right now. So thank you so much, Susan, for joining us today. Thanks. It's great to be with you. It's bright and early in the morning. It's not bright. It's dark yes, and early in the morning. Early. But this yes. is about perseverance, isn't it? And, yes, uh, it is. Yeah. And I'm really happy to be with you and uh, your listeners to talk mm -hmm. about uh, what's been an amazing year. Let's, let's keep it positive. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's what's amazing about this line of work is being able to have conversations from people all over the world. And uh, I've actually talked to a lot of people from Australia recently and other countries as well. But thank you for getting up early to come and share your wisdom with us. I appreciate yeah. that. So just give us a little background about how you got interested in, in hiking and how these adventures have led you to what you're doing now. Walking is one of the only forms of exercise which I like. And I think it's, uh, you know, I, I've read about it now that it's kind of, it's really important for your creative and life and for your mental health. Mm -hmm. And so this is really, you know, a deep and meaningful talk. But the truth is I'm lazy. I hate the gym. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I don't like to exercise or anything. So uh, the only thing I love to do is to walk. Right. Okay. So uh, that is where my hiking came in. And one day I thought, okay, instead of just taking a walk in the morning and wandering around the neighborhood, uh, why don't, uh, you know, why don't I try some long distance walks like at 100 kilometers, 200 kilometers. And, uh, that's how it started as an adventure and really what really started it off was when my children left my last of my children left school and so I was no longer bound by school hours and school mm -hmm. holidays and then we could go and do something a bit more adventurous but I'm also aware that people said oh you know Susan you can do that and I thought what do you mean I can do it <laughs> you know there's nothing but you know I'm not I'm not a super fitness goddess. I'm just an ordinary, I'm an ordinary kind of working mom with, I'm busy, you know, mm -hmm. sort of I'm busy with work, all kinds of things. But, and I, I don't do things which will kill me, quite frankly. I, as I said, <laughs> at base, I'm quite That's lazy. <laughs> you know, I like, I'm quite, you know, I'm not those violently active people. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, and the adventures which I do are really what I call doable adventures. Anyone can do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I go go after. And uh, after one or two of these adventures, I thought, okay, why don't I write a book about it? Because there was uh, the particular walk I did, there was no proper guidebook. I kept getting mm -hmm. lost. So, you know, it's not very... Uh, it's not very comforting to be lost in the middle of a paddock in Spain, you know, covered mm -hmm. with cow pats. And yes, there is there is phone connection, but guess what? It's really hard to talk in Spain, you know, talk in Spanish yeah. and ask for help. 
Yes, yes, this so, is true. Uh, I, yeah, I suspect the Spanish emergency poli police would be, you know, they would be a bit annoyed if you had this hiker ringing them up and saying, hey, excuse me, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, hiking in the, the Himalayas doesn't sound too lazy to me. I mean, that sounds like that would be a strenuous hike. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's strenuous, but you know, at the end of the day, you're just walking, you're putting one leg in front of the other. I'm not climbing Mount Everest, mm -hmm. right? I'm not doing technical kind of climbing in the snow. Right. I'm just hiking in a walking in a beautiful area. And uh, I'll tell you a secret if you're walking in the Himalayas, particularly like where I, all my walks have been in the Indian Himalayas, mm -hmm. so I can't talk to the to Nepal, but uh, in the Indian Himalayas. It's, it's really good because you don't have to carry your backpack. You can hire a porter. You can hire a pony to carry your stuff up. You can get a whole team to walk up and support you even when there's nowhere to stay. And, you know, you have guides. You, you can get people who will carry all your stuff, including the tents, pitch the tents, cook a meal for you. So when you mm -hmm. arrive in camp, everything's laid on and you feel like a Maharani. <laughs> <laughs> That's in, very in nice. I need yeah. one of those, like, for my life like just yeah, exactly I just regular life it. to go with me. I love it and uh, I think it's important like when we go into these areas I don't try to uh, you know I don't try to do budget or bargain with people because I think these are local people and you know if we, if we pump money into the economy there this is a light footfall money coming to them and we're keeping pollution down and we are we are helping the people there by not forcing them to migrate to the cities Mm -hmm. which they probably can't do today so they are, you know mm -hmm. there's not else in the form of industry so i feel that it's uh, if i'm going to hike or if i'm going to have these adventures i am not going to stint on spending money in the local area and quite frankly it's it's nothing much mm -hmm. if you have the money to if you have the money to fly from australia to india and uh, then get another plane to the himalayas you have money to spend on a porter or a mm -hmm. pony or a guide. So Yeah. So your adventures are, are helping out lots of other people along the way too. What do you yeah, do so. to prepare for one of these hikes? How do you train yourself or get ready or what kinds of things do you have to think through before you go on one of these adventures? Well, the first thing is you have to get your mindset right and you have to get your feet right. So uh, one of the things with the mindset is just really getting up every morning and going out and walking. And some people sort of you don't discount that. That's actually a big effort. You get up in the morning out of your bed and, you know, you've got to dress up and get out and walk for two or three hours. Um, when I did my first uh, few hikes, I was still working full time. So I, we would get up at this time. I would get up at this time at 4 a.m. and go out and walk uh, for three hours, then come come home, change, shower, and go to work the whole day. So uh, that's the you know the mental thing. That, and we did that every single day, mm -hmm. right? Except except Sunday. Took a, we took a break for for Sunday. Okay. And we and we had we stepped it up in a program really first you walk one kilometer then two then five then ten so you take it easy and you make sure you don't uh, you don't harm your feet right so you mm -hmm. by the time you start your walk like i've done these walks i've never had a blister mm -hmm. yeah no blisters no um, that's nice no, yeah because you're ready right yeah. if you go to that area and you're not ready and you get blisters that's it you're, you're miserable yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I started running a couple of years ago. And as I okay. increased my distance, I got horrible blisters and I ran a couple of marathons. So I lost my toenails too, oh, which no. is not fun. So yeah. Okay. No, no, I, I told you I'm not that type. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what kind of encounters or adventures or, or crazy situations have you run into? Was there a, a time when you were stranded or had some kind of crisis or emergency situation while you were out on one of these or have they all been pretty calm and mellow? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you about the last one. Okay. You know, one of the things which I have to admit in public is that I'm scared of cows. Okay. Okay. Now, there are people who are scared of other things, but I'm scared of cows. And in the in India and you know, anywhere, if you're hiking, you know, I've come across, I've been face to face with cows everywhere. And I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think they're nice animals. They're out to get you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there are more people who are killed by cows every year than by hippopotami. So, really? Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. I, and anyway, that's another story. So, okay. <laughs> we had this, uh, I've already had, we had this situation. We were, in the valley of the, we were accessing the valley of flowers, walking up the, the side of the valley. And it's quite a, <clears throat> it's quite a well laid out path because it's also a pilgrimage path. But at one stage they were doing work. And so they had uh, blocked the main path and the path was directed up a narrow side valley, right? So it was quite, the path was really narrow. And on one side there was the ditch and on the other side there was the the mountain or whatever wow. it was but it was a kind of villagey area and they were there was a lot of confusion there and we were walking along inching along and suddenly from the corner of my eye I saw this black thing and I thought something serious thing and I stepped into the I stepped into the mountain mm -hmm. and a cow I swear a flying cow and <laughs> fell and it actually it pushed my uh, one of I was hiking with a group of friends it pushed one of my friends over the edge right and oh she but she caught hold of a little branch of uh, some bush over there and kind of didn't go right down and sort of I went there and said oh my god Vipa, what happened to you are you okay and she said she's telling me did you get it on video <laughs> I'm thinking I'm terrified of this cow and yes nothing how this cow just fell down it it you know the the path was just uh hairpin bends and it just fell off one I don't know what it was doing it fell off from <laughs> above you and... yeah literally and it's it's not amusing when you have a large black cow falling on you and then Vibha went off the side and but you know we pulled her up and the cow just got up and shook itself off <laughs> and went off and then the cow herd came chasing after the, the cow and he was only worried about the cow and we were thinking yeah you know what, what's yeah. going on and he just didn't even look at us so he ran after his cow oh wow <laughs> <laughs> I oh, think this is really really <clears throat> you know if anything happens you know Susan was hiking and she was killed by a, a cow a black a cow. flying cow yeah a flying cow now if it was a yak or a mountain bear <laughs> or a mountain leopard that would yeah. be really exciting and you know some noteworthy thing but to be killed by a cow on a on a rather unpicturesque slope because it was all dug up because oh, of, wow. they were making yeah. a bridge so i was just thinking oh that would be a very messy death 
Yeah, that, that is quite an event. So were you afraid of cows before that? Or is that why you're afraid of cows? Yeah, I was always afraid. Oh, of, always. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I was always afraid. You know, in India, because I grew up in India and we still go to India a lot. Uh, there are always cows everywhere and, and they kind of wander around and forage and people, you know, because they are holy cows mm -hmm. and nobody does anything to them. So they, you know, they're quite capable of walking up to you and butting you oh. for, for food or for petting or something. Mm -hmm. And it's not very nice to be butted by a large stinky cow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the state fair once when I was a kid and just my height, I was kind of about eye level with the cow's nose. Yeah. And unfortunately the yeah. cow had to sneeze. Oh, there you <laughs> and so I got, you know, cow snot and hay and everything just all in my face and hair. But, That's another horror story. You know, yeah. But I, I don't know. I brushed it off and went on. I guess there's, there's other things I'm afraid of, but flying cows isn't one I thought of. <laughs> And I, yeah. and I struggle with anxiety. You think I would have invented that, that fear already, but I haven't come across so, that one. Yeah. So yeah. You need to hike if you struggle with anxiety because uh, that's what was happening in about uh, March or April this year. We were supposed to go out to India. In, as a matter of fact, my husband had already left and he went out in early Jan. And I was supposed, we were waiting for something and then I was going to, I was going to go out in mid-Feb. And uh, all this started and, uh, I, you know, it was, uh, people were still, people were still traveling. But I know that in mid-Jan, this was quite early, in mid-Jan, I was talking on Facebook to, with various friends. And now because I've been in IT on my life, I have a lot of friends from China. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them said, he said, they aren't, they aren't just 40 deaths in Wuhan. He said there are many, many more. He said the scale is 40 times what everyone is letting on. It is really bad, right? Mm -hmm. And it, they're not letting on. And I, and I thought, okay, this is coming literally from the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> and people were still traveling. So that by that time, I had already said, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to travel. And I told my husband, come back and... Uh, he said, nah, it'll be okay. Everyone's taking precautions. India's very strict. You know, everyone's being scanned. It's never not going to come here. Yeah. Okay. And I said, well, uh, you come back. And we tried to get him on a flight back. But it was uh, obviously by then the, the changing the ticket meant buying a new flight, literally more expensive, twice what we had paid. Mm. Because uh, at that time, seems like a different word when you could get bargain tickets, yeah. right? Really cheap tickets. So the coming back, we were we were paying double what he had paid to go. So mm. he said, nah, I'll wait. It's not gonna get bad. It did get bad, but he did he did get back to Australia one day before the lockdown started, oh, wow. literally. One day. Yeah. Wow. So uh, <clears throat> that was uh, you know, that was good. But in this time, because of this, we got very anxious. Mm -hmm. And so I had, uh, I think I had, an, I had an injury, I think, on my leg or something. You, know, you know, always get a little bit and that is enough to make me, ah, oh, I'm not going to walk. It's, and it was very hot in February, January and February. It's scorchingly hot in, in Australia. So I stopped walking because it was a, I would have had to get up at like three in the morning this time and start walking to get a bit of cool. But uh, so I stopped walking and uh, I was getting very anxious. 
So I said, okay, so in, in March, it cooled down slightly and uh, we could still walk. We've been very fortunate in Australia, really. We could walk locally. So I started again walking and I found as soon as I started walking, I found that anxiety levels going down because, you know, I was getting anxious. Let's, you know, let's, it was an unknown then. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really, you know, you heard all these things. So I started walking and uh, yeah, by the time I had, I was walking 10 kilometers a day, I was no longer anxious. Yeah. I was just wondering, I was just thinking about my feet. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, it's true. Exercise is one of the best things yeah. for anxiety and yeah, and walking totally counts as exercise. Uh, you know, I do that a lot now too, but um, what other, you know, things have you either just learned from life or from your adventures and your hiking that you think would be helpful to people in this this crazy year that we've had? And I think there's a lot of people out there that even if they hadn't struggled with anxiety before, I think it's been an issue for most people this year just because of all the unknowns that are flying at us. And, you know, you kind of get your feet back yeah. under you from one thing and then something else comes and it's kind of like, it, what's yeah. going to be next? Well, this year I had to cancel all my uh, long distance hikes. I was going to, we had three of them lined up. So obviously none of them came about, but uh, what I did do was I said, okay, I'm going to publish my third book on the Valley of Flowers, which I did last year. And uh, people said, oh, you, you know, it's crazy. Don't publish a book on, right, on hiking in the Himalayas today when nobody can travel. We're all in lockdown because by, by April, we had gone into complete lockdown here as well. So I said, okay, what else is there to do? So I said, no, I'm going to write. So I, I wrote the book and uh, the book was mostly written over December, but, and I was going to publish in January, uh, early Feb, before I went to India the second time. But I sort of, this kind of put a stop to it. So I, I went back, I rewrote the book and I, I made the book uh, less of a guidebook and more of stories and, uh, you know, more of an adventure and a memoir about walking, about friendship, because we walked with four, four of us walked, four girls, uh, and we have uh, been friends for the last 40 years, right? Oh, wow. All, all in, we're all in IT, all, we all worked in the same place. And mm -hmm. uh, this was a dream of ours for many years. So I put more of that into it because I reckon people want to hear stories of, of uh, people. And mm -hmm. this is, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, for women. And uh, one of the things about the Valley of Flowers is that everything that has been written about it has been written by British explorers in mm. 1937. And I thought, it's time we had an Indian woman write about it. That's yes, enough. There enough. There's yeah. no need for the only literature about this area to be written by ex-colonialists. Books are wonderful. <laughs> I love yes. the books. But uh, obviously they're out of date. And there's mm -hmm. one uh, there's one uh, quote from Frank Smith. The, he's this guy who wrote the book was Frank Smith, and he's a forgotten mountaineer. But he is actually quite significant, and it's a pity that people have forgotten him everywhere except in India. Because you see, mm -hmm. in India, people still respect and honor uh, people of achievement, regardless of whether mm -hmm. he was British or not. So he has an encounter at a particular meadow, right? with an old woman and he asks her the way she's driving cows and he asks her the way and she puts her head down and, and goes away and she's too frightened to talk to him. And he puts this thing, when will the Indian woman be liberated from this fear and be able to 
you know, fulfill herself and not be so suppressed. So I said, mm. so in my book, I answer that, you know, 97 yeah. years, right? I said, yeah. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> I said, it's 97 years. It's exactly two generations still. Wow. He made that. And <clears throat> I met at the exact spot. We met a, a three women, grandmother, mother, and, uh, and granddaughter at the exact spot driving mm. a cow. With a, yeah. new, with a carrying the newly born calf oh. as if it was a baby at the exact spot, and uh, yeah, they didn't look suppressed or depressed to yeah. me. They were quite happy to chat. That's an incredible and, story. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. I couldn't believe it because I, you know when I looked at them because I had the maps on, I had plotted his path, and this was the exact spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he talks about the same mountains, which he's you know he he says I I looked up and saw this shining spire and I looked up and I saw the shining spire. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. So I, I read through part of your book and so, you know, I can kind of imagine that, but for our listeners, maybe who aren't familiar with the Valley of Flowers, can you explain what that is? Well, the Valley of Flowers is like a side valley uh, in the Himalayas. It's off a very busy pilgrimage track. So, you know, the Himalayas are the holy mountains in India. And uh, that's where the home of the gods is. All that you have massive temples everywhere, and this is a pilgrimage, been a pilgrimage path for um, thousands of years. But it's actually been recorded since the uh, eight eight hundred AD that people were making these pilgrimages to these shrines in the Himalayas. So it's a pilgrimage track going up to uh, Badrinath, which is a, a major temple. But off this is a is a you know, you cross these rivers and this valley is uh, going up a side valley. So what happens is that this valley actually run, the river takes a loop and the valley runs from uh, northwest to southeast, right? So what happens is when the cold breezes come in the winter and the, you know, and the monsoon, they kind of create a microclimate there and this valley is protected which is why even though it's it's covered with glaciers up to you know the whole year it just the glaciers start melting in may so may to august, may to september you have a little bit of summer that's when the flowers come out so these it's also the local local nomadic people used to take their animals up to the meadows at this area it's like alpine meadows above mm-hmm. the tree line they would take their animals and this was on the path to tibet Right. Mm. Uh, so this was on the path to Tibet. So they would uh, take their animals up there, fatten them up and then drive them into Tibet. And uh, and then, I mean, drive meaning walk them into Tibet. Right. So these yeah. are all ancient paths. And uh, it's also on the banks of, uh, it's at the side of a, a very significant sub-range of the Himalayas, which, uh, <clears throat> you know, were not conquered not climbed a long time ago so it was trying to climb one of these mountains that uh, they came out frank smith and a party of mountaineers stumbled out of the blizzard they literally turned tail and kind of they got out of the blizzard and they literally stumbled onto this valley mm. full of flowers and they, they could not believe it totally sheltered from the blizzards above and uh, that's how uh, they found it but uh, there's there's another story you walk up. So this area, it's a, uh, the Himalayas are very sacred. So, they, you know, a lot of people who are going there have been, are going there for pilgrimage 
today there are lots of younger people who are just hiking like mm-hmm. myself but it's still you cannot uh, you know if you are indian the himalayas are in your blood your your the whole of india only exists because of the himalayas really geographically and spiritually so there's a deep genetic connection i think so mm-hmm. you have hindu pilgrimages and at the side from at the village where you where where you start walking there are two parts one goes to the valley of flowers one goes up to a glacial lake called hemkund which is a sikh pilgrimage right so it's a sikh pilgrimage and uh, so a lot of sikhs go up there i went there as well as part of the thing but uh, so we walked up this path and you go into this meadow and there in this meadow at 4300 meters surrounded by these most magnificent peaks this lush green meadows full of flowers and you have the snow covered glacial because there are remnants of glacier there i found a cross right mm. so there is a grave there in the most and I, in my book i say in this most hindu of meadows you have this yeah. you have this cross and you have the words of i lift my eyes from from psalm i mean mm-hmm. i looked it up i think it was psalm 121 or mm-hmm. something yeah. so it says i lift my eyes to the mountains from where cometh my help mm-hmm. so this was a woman hiker right so in 1938 or something she came from uh kew gardens in london to document the actual botanics the flowers because frank smith obviously was a mountaineer so he must have done such a bad job just trampling on the flowers that the <laughs> you know that the samples he took back when he took them the sign nah, this won't do mate we're going to send a woman out yeah <laughs> so they sent uh, they sent uh, this uh, out um, her name was margaret leg they sent her out but uh, yeah she literally did the huge hike up there but she lasted like 5 days and she was mm. dead she mm. fell off a cliff and died and uh, that's where her that's where her grave is so mm. quite sad because she was but in a way i was thinking this is where she would long to be in the yeah. you know mm-hmm. around she was a botanist surrounded by the most beautiful rare alpine flowers mm. and uh, you have this uh, you have this cross literally there and uh, someone had put a rosary on it and i was mm. thinking actually she was anglican so she may not have wanted to say the rosary <laughs> but anyway i would have put it up with the way i put it up there yeah. but uh, they was, they were honoring her in their own way i guess <laughs> yeah so it was a bit surreal because the it's like Yeah when was the grave I think the grave might have been put there in 39 her sister came out from England and uh, did made the grave properly and took her stuff back mm-hmm. so it's been there a long uh, yeah. quite a long time and but it's it's maintained the the mountain there's a mountain institute there who come up and maintain the grave and uh, you know keep it painted mm-hmm. and have this uh, they paint this uh, psalm on it in in hindi and english so it's mm-hmm. uh, quite yeah so i was thinking mm-hmm. there's a tale of perseverance and yes, uh, i don't know if it's i don't know if it's sad she might have been you know as if mm-hmm. you you believe that this is this path and that's why i love hiking mm-hmm. that this is only it's a perfect metaphor for our life on earth we are, we are just on we are pilgrims on a journey mm-hmm. and our ultimate destination is is god or mm-hmm. heaven which is above us mm-hmm. and that's what you're doing in the himalayas your destination yeah. is above you and mm-hmm. you're hiking up on a narrow winding path which is very difficult mm-hmm. because the broad path uh, leads to diesel fumes and violent traffic 
and mm. also cows. So it's better to, it's better to be on the winding path. Yes. So I just found this was, uh, you know, a great connection as a bunch of uh, women walking over there. We found this, uh, you know, this, we, we hired a, on the second day, we hired a woman guide, a local guide from the village. And she, she was about, she might have been about 20, young girl. And we said, okay, you know, we'll go up to the valley with her. And she was so knowledgeable. She, you know, show, showed us things which uh, nobody else could show you except a local. And uh, she's, you know, she said no, because we weren't sure whether we wanted to see her grave. <laughs> you know how it is. You know, oh, I'm so tired. Yeah. But uh, she said, no, you have to see this. Mm. And uh, it was magnificent to just walk up and just find this green meadow with the surrounded in the literally in the it's like being held in a in a cup literally of mm -hmm. mountains and this meadow with the cross in it so yeah. it was well, I, uh, I love your metaphor and that's just got to be a, a beautiful breathtaking sight to just you know be up in the mountains and the glaciers and the snow and then see yeah, these meadows really and flowers and you know, just in the place you'd least expect them to be. Exactly. So this, really uh, if you've got to persevere, you've got to persevere because, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to say that's not an easy hike, even though mm. I like easy. And, but, you know, yeah. I didn't say I like easy. It's doable. Yeah? It's right. doable. It's but uh, it's uh, certainly, uh, I always train enthusiastically at 100 meters above sea level. And then I go to 4,000 4, meters above yeah. sea level. <laughs> A little less air. Yes. Less air. But this time I went, this is, I think, my third trek in the Himalayas, you know, long distance trek. This time I took altitude sickness pills. Mm. I, uh, I went to the doctor and got it. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take it because I knew I won't I knew I would not be able to do the walk without it. So mm -hmm. I went and got a prescription and I, I did take it. And yes, yeah. I was able to complete the trek. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> you still have fatigue, but it's not that, uh, you know, that That's literally severe. on, it's not that severe that you think I have to descend because mm -hmm. uh, altitude sickness is a, it's a real problem and people, you know, I could see people over there say, oh, no, you know, you take it after all, you're old. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, you know, altitude six has nothing to do with age or fitness. Oh, yeah. It's, it has it's to do just, with oxygen and breathing. <laughs> it's got to do with, and with me, I know that I've, if you've got it once, you, it will, you, it will mm -hmm. come back. So literally, it's not about fitness. Unless, oh, yeah. unless you've lived in those mountains your whole life and been born there, then you're used to it. But... Uh, you know, you've got to have it and people don't realize and they just think mm -hmm. that they're tired. But, you know, yes, you're tired, but you're extra tired because you're not getting enough oxygen. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm not silly about it that way. Like if uh, I will take the, you know, we'll take it if it's mm -hmm. uh, necessary. Yeah. So My look, husband I, and I went to the Air Force Academy, which is up in the mountains in Colorado, wow. and it's at a considerable altitude, too. So, you know, that that's a thing like you've been running at home training for basic training but you get there and suddenly there's not quite as much oxygen as you're used to you know so it it is a thing and I you know that I'm just thinking of all kinds of metaphors while I'm listening to your your stories and you're talking and stuff but you know sometimes we could look at another person and say oh they're struggling but you know their life may be at like a different altitude than ours you know and it's just things are harder or easier for some people and you think well, why can't I do what that person's doing? Or, you know, why can't this person do that? And it, 
we're just kind of all in different places on the mountain. I'm working on my second book now. And it's interesting that, you know, you're my guest this week because I was just writing on this earlier this morning. I've been through the dark valley and now I've hiked a little further up the trail and I want to turn back around to people who are coming up the trail behind me and say, hey, this is an easier path or watch your step there. You know, that one's an yeah, easy exactly. path. I guess we could add to watch out for the flying cows. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, the quote that I that I ended the chapter with was the view is worth the climb. And that just keeps coming back in my head while I'm listening to you is it is strenuous, like you said, and there's altitude, but I, that's got to be a breathtaking view. And I'm sure it's definitely worth the climb. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that's, uh, you know, some people say, oh, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. But I don't agree. It's it <laughs> is about the destination, this thing of, mm -hmm. you know, it's about the journey. Yeah, but the journey to where, I don't know, right. I'm not that deeply philosophical. You know, I want to know where I'm going. And mm -hmm. at the end of a hike in the Himalayas, I want a view and I, you know, the, yeah. and I want a breathtaking view. And mm -hmm. in the Valley of Flowers, you, you have these beautiful views, as well as you have these astounding flowers, which, you know, you don't see anywhere mm -hmm. else. So you, uh, it and it's also, it depends on your luck when they are blooming, but they bloom consistently from, in May, the primula start, and then it, later on you get the Himalayan balsam, and you have heaps of, you know, flowers. But mm -hmm. <clears throat> these flowers are, you know, the, they're wild flowers, so they're not like planted masses of tulips. It's mm -hmm. not that type of flowers, but you have these, you know, flowers everywhere, all the way up from Gangaria, you you know, you just have to see them. Mm -hmm. And for that, you need, as you said, you need someone to show them to you and explain them to you. And uh, one of the things which this girl did, she made us sit down, couch down in the undergrowth, and you can get a totally different view from there because mm -hmm. you're almost at, you know, as it is, some of the flowers are at this level, okay? Wow. But when you go down, you see even more flowers and you, you bend down and you look at the flowers and beyond the flowers, you look at the mountains. Mm. And yeah, it's absolutely breathtaking. And you realize how small and insignificant you are. Mm. And uh, if you go down lower, it's it's kind of, a, we are so high in the sky, we've climbed to be high, but she made us crouch down and look look up. And that really by bending down, it you know, there's you can take a whole lot of metaphors mm. out of that. Yeah, definitely. It made a huge difference uh, to the view and to our understanding of what we were doing. That's Definitely, a whole new perspective, a whole different way of looking at it. Yeah, and it's like, you, you know, it's like blessed are the meek, right? Mm -hmm. It's not It's not that I'm so glorious, I'm, I'm so great, I've climbed so high. The lower you go, the meeker you are, the more beautiful it is. Mm. It's, it was, uh, you know, it was. It's like these real life lessons, or it's like scripture coming to life, or these. You know, I'm not a great, you know, I'm not a, a, a great Bible thumper or reader. I, I, I read a bit, but I'm not so wonderful. I can't just spout quotes, but uh, it's, it's, it was like it coming to life. I could, you know, really literally think the Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me along the path. Mm. It was beautiful. But there were no quiet waters. They were like violent, icy streams. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe yeah. there aren't any violent, icy Himalayas <laughs> in Israel where David mm -hmm. wrote this poem. Pers talking about perseverance, I went ahead and wrote the book. And I published it on April 30th, you know, normally at the end of April. And I announced it on May 1st. And mm -hmm. by May 2nd, it hit bestseller in Australia. Mm -hmm. And by May, middle, the middle of May, it hit bestseller in 
the UK and the US. So, mm. yeah, who, who says that people are not reading? People yeah. still need to escape. And in, by about June or July, we had had some stats about it that there's been a 33% increase in purchases of ebooks. And wait for this, there's been a 14% increase in purchase of print books as well. Mm. So even though the increase is more, so there are people still buying books, yes. still downloading books. And because they're all at home, they need more books. <laughs> need more and books. They, yeah. they need your story because uh, <clears throat> people want to, uh, we're going through a stage where at one stage people want to read what, say, Barack Obama or someone has written but people also want to read what uh, you and I have written because mm. uh, you and I are not Michelle or Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. We are ordinary people, but uh, we have lives and stories too. And yes. I think possibly we are more relatable. Yeah, I think everybody has a story that they could absolutely. share yeah, to benefit absolutely. others. And so you have a, a opportunity to help people who want to share their story. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, so from hiking, I had to, because I couldn't hike, so I sort of switched it, and I used to write, I do write, so I switched that around, and I started helping people to write their own books as a book coach. I used to have book courses, I still have courses for books, but I wasn't happy with the completion rate of uh, people who took the courses, really, because... Uh, and I realized that most people, they want, they need someone to talk to because book writing mm -hmm. is very lonely. And mm -hmm. if you're doing it on your own, it's even lonelier. And, uh, you know, we're there to help. There are lots of communities, but people don't necessarily know that uh, most authors are not competitive. The more you help each other, there are plenty of readers out there. If you, you know, someone who's going to buy my book is not not going to buy your book. Elizabeth. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we help each other. So I had a, <clears throat> what I've done in the last month or so, just before the end of the year to encourage people, if you're at all thinking of writing a book, if you, or if you've written a book and you're wondering what to do with it, or you're stuck in the middle of a book, I have a, a, a call so you can uh, talk to me and ask me anything. It's for one, it's you book a one hour call. Uh, yeah, down there. And uh, literally this is, I'm not pitching anything in it. I'm not pitching my books. I'm not pitching my courses. We, we'll chat for one hour and literally you ask the questions. You ask me what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, so I put the link there for listeners yeah. or viewers and I've dropped it in the comments and I'll add it to the show notes for the podcast. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I would recommend that you guys take advantage of that if you're at all interested, or maybe you've never even thought about writing your story, but uh, in this season, you know, where so much has been shaken up, it's a great time for people to pivot. And we do have some extra time because of some things that have been canceled. Um, and that's sad, but we can use that time to do something else purposeful and good. And if you're out there and you're still breathing, I can guarantee you have a story in you somewhere. And your story, you may not think it's significant to you, but it's amazing to somebody else. And they want to hear what you have to learn. So. Yeah. Thank you so much, Susan, for sharing with us today. This has yeah. been awesome. And I, I would love to hear more of your stories. I'm going to finish reading your book because that just <laughs> That'd be good. That yeah. sounds so exciting. Yeah. I want to go hike the, the Himalayas now. I, that had never been on my bucket list, but now I'm like, I want to go see this meadow. So yeah, you have to, you have to. Yes. We'll go together next year. Okay. Sounds good. So uh, <laughs> if you could just quickly, as we wrap up, tell our listeners where else they can find you online or social media. Yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. 
uh, as uh, Susan Jagannath at Susan Jagannath, and it's a public profile. You can friend, you can send a friend request. I don't have any problems with that. Uh, so it's uh, Susan Jagannath at Susan Jagannath, and uh, it's susanjagannath.com is my website. Uh, you can go there to just have a look at some pictures, mm -hmm. or you can uh, find all my books are available on Amazon. So. Uh, I think people put Amazon there. Even on Amazon, if you you know if you just search for me by name, you'll find you'll find mm -hmm. books. I've got three books: one on the Camino in Spain, and uh, two Himalayan books. Mm -hmm. uh, one on uh, one called Chasing Himalayan Dreams, and that's about a three-day trek which took me forty years to do. So wow, yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you. you can read we'll have to have you back out. on to tell that story too. So. <laughs> Just read the book. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like yeah. you have a lot of great things to share. So thank you. So this thank book so or much. this hike that we talked about was in the Valley of Flowers book. Valley of Flowers, uh, the, but, latest, the latest yes. book. And in uh, in all my ebooks, there are, they are a few pictures, right? The print books, if you buy the print books, they're black and white and there are no pictures just to keep the price down. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, there are plenty of pictures if you uh, connect with me on instagram on facebook mm. i occasionally post videos and pictures about it so you can yes. you can have a look about that it but awesome. that's one of the things which in publishing a hiking book people want to see pictures but mm -hmm. uh, if you start putting pictures in the book the book becomes expensive so yes. It's okay. better to put it in the ebook. Instagram right? is perfect for that. So too bad you don't yeah. have that video of the flying cow. That would go viral. I know I missed it. I was yeah, that's I was I was trying to make sure that I didn't fall down the the yes. cut. It's called the cut. It didn't right. fall down. It. Right. Well, Thank I'm very you. glad that you survived that adventure to tell us all about <laughs> it and to share your wisdom with us. So thank you thank so, much you so much for joining thank us you. it has been thank great you. talking to you today and thank you all who have been listening to the resilient life hacks podcast today i hope that you've been blessed by susan's stories and been inspired as you're hiking your life and your journey the the road that you're on not all of our paths look alike but we can all partner together we can share some laughs along the way we can cry on each other's shoulders and we can learn from uh, each other's journeys. So thank you for tuning in today and we will see you next week. You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with host Elizabeth Myers. If you like the show and want to know more, check out elizabethmyers.me forward slash RLH podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, just fill out the form on that webpage so we can connect. Your honest review on iTunes is a tremendous help to sharing this message of hope with more hurting souls. Don't forget to join us next week when we talk about more hacks for a resilient life. Until next time, stand strong, hold on to hope, and love others like Jesus does.